Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kinda Funny Games Daily for Friday, February 14th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing, Eddie O.A. Jr., and joining me is Tim Ma Bugging Gettys. I'm rolling around at the speed of sound, Dude. Bless. I got places to go. I got to follow my rainbow, baby. Sonic Happy Heroes. Sonic Day. Happy no, Sonic that was Sonic Day. Adventure 2, dude. Escape from the City. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm yeah, just Sonic adding Heroes is just Sonic yeah. Heroes. That's, that's my favorite one. Probably a controversial opinion it as far as like is. the themes, right? Wow. Sonic Heroes theme. Mm, live and learn, baby. Live, you, and learn. live and learn is also great. You retweeted that uh, video of you like skateboarding down on a skateboard with no... Snowboarding. We- oh, it's a snowboard? Okay, okay. I was recreating uh, the opening moments of Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah. And I watched I watched it in full of just you sliding down. And I was like, I don't know if I've met someone lamer, but I love as much as I do. <laughs> and we're going to watch more in the, the Sonic screencast oh, uh, coming God. up later. So <laughs> get prepared, Barrett. Tim, how are you celebrating Sonic Day? Um, well, I saw the movie last night. We're going to nice. do a review uh, at Screencast after this with Gary Whitta. Very excited yep. about that. And then, you know what? No joke, this weekend, I'm debating, do I replay Sonic Mania? Dude. Or, and this one's getting a little crazier, a little craftier, because mm. I've replayed Mania in the last year. Okay. Do I play Sonic Generations? Yes, you do play Sonic Generations. I think I'm going to do Dude, it, I've guys. been wanting to replay Sonic Generations for the longest time. Hell it's yeah. Sitting, it's, I can get it on Xbox because it's backwards compatible. Fuck yeah. But it's what one of those things where then? it's like, do I want to drop the $20 or whatever it is to, to, to buy that game? I think I do. Yeah, that would have been a great stream. We were like planning a stream earlier this week oh, for we today. Up. Yeah. And we got Ble- Bleeding Edge is like going to be a great stream that mm-hmm. we'll do at 2.30 today. Yeah. But Sonic could have also been a great enough, one. not fast enough, though. Yeah, not fast enough. Not fast enough. Uh, you know, we, we floated the idea of doing... What's blessed drinking? Mm-hmm. You know, ever since I started drinking tea, yeah, on this show, and so I wanted to, I wanted to bring this one up because this is the first time I'm drinking this flavor of tea. All right, it's called Berry Blossom White. Okay, Berry Blossom White, and it's described as a delicate white tea with tinges of hunk- of huckleberry and white cranberry. How many cubes of sugar did you put in Two. that bad boy? Huh? Two, Two cubes of sugar, because. I smelled the tea bag and I was like, this smells sweet. Mm. You can smell already. the huckleberry. Yeah, you can smell the huckleberry. And I was like, you know what, man? I don't need to go too much further with this. What am and I drinking so, today? Not drink- one, not two, but three. I was waiting for like a third arm. Yeah, yeah, right. I wish. I wish. Because uh, I, I drank a little too much last night uh. celebrating that blue blur. Oh, <laughs> you know God. what I mean? Dude, I yep. feel you, man. Speaking of celebrating things, all right, today's stories include a golden goose of a Game of the Year winner, wow. PlayStation 5, more like PlayStation $500, and more because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong. I'm going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames or listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show head to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free i was gonna like bang harder on the table but there's so many liquids you gotta be careful and i was liquid. like i don't know how much this table can take yeah, me liquid and, and laptops don't go well exactly <laughs> you got big bless energy today and i, I like do that. thank you i appreciate it. i mean it's sonic day you know it you gotta sonic go hard day, go man. home go faster go share home. this day with your loved ones exactly now it's time for some housekeeping. Uh, ScreenFast is happening right after today's episode of KFGD. Like Tim said, it's going to be me, Tim, Kevin, Gary Witta. It's going to be a blast. I'm just saying, it should have been SonicCast. Sonic 3D SonicCast? Yeah. Because ScreenFast, it's like, it sounds like you guys are fasting from screens. 
I don't know. I just don't like the SEO of Screen Fest. Well, we should. We, I mean, think about it. Mm. I feel like the smartphones yeah. are, are crap. What's the Bojack Horseman quote? <laughs> I feel Dude, like the smartphones are disconnecting us. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the second last. Uh, actually, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I, I, but I you know what you're know, you know, you know yeah, talking yeah. about. You watch Bo- Bojack Horseman. Things adults Horseman. say. You know? Yeah, things adults say. Yeah. 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 So Dude, the, I'm, here's the thing, Bless. What up? Here's the thing, okay? Yeah, yeah. Barrett's still living in a slow world. Mm. He didn't go fast yet. He hasn't he did not. seen the movie. He doesn't understand. He's not seen the movie. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Today around 2.30, we'll be streaming the closed beta of Bleeding Edge, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be a good time. It's going to be me. It's going to be Andy Cortez. It's going to be some Nitro Rifle action. Whoa. And then Love, Sex, and Stuff returns tonight at 8 p.m. Tim yeah. Gettys, we're Nick Scarpino. Give, in honor of Sonic Day, we're going to get yeah. some great love and sex advice and other stuff. That's where the stuff comes in. You guys can actually call in live. There will be a phone number that appears. And you can call. Me and Nick will answer your questions live on stage. This is the stage. This is the stage. Thank you to our Patreon producers. James Davis, David Mindtel, Muhammad Muhammad, the nanobiologist, Frank Furter, Shiraz Rizak, Patrick Higgins, Travis Gaikowski, Drew Gardner, Dominic Shorter, Ginny Burnt, Joseph Solar, and Katie Gallagher. Man, all y'all, y'all, all y'all are great. Thank you, you so much. And then today we're brought to you by Upstart, Mint Mobile, and Spotify's The Besties. But I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have four stories today. A baker's dozen. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but these are four beefy, beefy, meaty stories. Starting with number one, what the honk is happening? We have our Dice Award winners. I'm pulling this right up from and the results from The Hollywood Reporter. The 23rd Annual Dice Awards presented by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences were handed out at the Aria Resort and Casino in Las Vegas on Thursday night, which is also hosted by Greg Miller. Shout Did out. you get to watch it all? No, I didn't. I was watching Sonic, so I didn't get to see it yet. Mm. I can't wait to go back. Greg Miller and Jessica Chobot at the Dice Awards yeah. every year. Always fantastic i saw a couple clips of some zingers yeah. that they had and let me tell you mike man, drucker man what well, mike drucker was getting it in <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he had anything to do with this year's i uh, imagine he did i just yeah. don't know for sure that he did but every year that he works on it greg's in there making his bitty bops and his boobity boos and got yeah money. oh man there was one zinger that they had on blizzard with warcraft mm. 3 oh my god yeah. I felt it in my soul. <laughs> Australian developer House House took home the night's top prize game of the year with Untitled Goose Game. Hideo Kojima's Death Stranding and Remedy Entertainment's Control topped the field of nominees with eight nominations each, but the former only took home two awards for technical achievement and audio design, while the latter was honored four times with Game Direction, Action Game of the Year, Music Composition, and Art Direction. Untitled Goose Game took home three awards in total, in addition to the Game of the Year, the indie the indie also scored wins in independent game and character for the foul for, or for the tit for the titular foul. A total of sixty five titles released in twenty nineteen received nominations for this year's Dice Awards. Winners are chosen by a panel of industry leaders. The event also featured the induction of longtime Sony exec Sony exec Connie Booth into the AIAS Hall of Fame. And then we have the list of winners here, which we can we can run through. Okay. We, can, we can sonic speed give me, through. Give me some of them highlights. All right. So I'm going to start with Game of the Year. And so, yeah, we, Untitled Goose Game wow. is the winner. The now, nominees were Control, Death Stranding, Disco Elysium, Outer Wilds, and Untitled Goose Game. Thus 
further proving how wacky a year last year was where every single outlet giving game of the year to a different game. It's like it's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, what a time to be alive as a gamer. Looking back at Game of Year awards uh, that DICE has, have given out in the past, mm-hmm. uh, we have God of War last year. Yep. Breath of the Wild before that. Yep. Overwatch before that. Yep. So all that kind of like. That makes sense. That, you know, I'll predict up. all of those. Fallout 4. In really? 2015. That's wild. Yeah. Over the Witcher. Over the Witcher, is, over is, Metal Gear Solid 5, over yeah. Undertale. Yeah. Um, and then before that, Dragon Age Inquisition, Last of Us, Journey, Skyrim, Mass Effect 2, Uncharted 2. It starts, you know, yeah. making a lot of sense. Frank so, Fur. Fallout 4 is really the only, like, and Untitled Goose Game. Yeah. yeah. Untitled, stand up. Frank Furter writes in and says, Good morning, Blessing and Tim. Let's get down to brass tacks. Untitled Goose Game, would you have guessed that? It'd be it win game of the year because I sure as shit didn't. Don't get me wrong, I love the game, but I never thought in a million years it'd win game of the year. This is the first indie game to win the title from either the game game awards or dice since 2012, Journey and Telltale's Walking Dead, respectively. So, what does this win mean for the future of indie games? Do you think that we will see more off the wall crazy ideas in the future, or is this game just lightning in a bottle? Thanks for all you do, Frank Furter. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it is lightning mm-hmm. in the bottle in the sense that you you can't kind of make that type of stuff happen, like the memeability, the virility mm-hmm. of the goose itself. Um, having said that, I do think that the industry has been leaning towards uh, being a lot more open to new ideas yeah. over the last decade. And so we're going to see a lot more uh, off-the-wall, different type games. I think it's just going to be harder and harder to stand out and to be something that is radically new and different yeah and that's kind of my take is that like i don't think this necessarily means anything for indie games specifically i feel like tastes as a whole are starting to shift more toward not necessarily looking at the big action like third person action adventure game as like the default winner right because i feel like that's that's kind of the thing right when we look at 2019 i feel like the big assumption was that oh yeah resident evil 2 is probably going to win game of the year everywhere because that game is quality that game is a third person action game that translates to a wide audience right you look at god of war and it's kind of that right a third person action adventure game with a grand story great production big budget all that stuff right look at um breath of the wild same thing overwatch kind of different but still, like within the realm of like big budget, something that translates, something that people can yeah. understand, right? It was, I think that kind of fed into like a lot of the discussion for 2017 game of the year, where like I, I know there was a debate on this show a lot about PUBG, right? And whether or not PUBG could qualify because PUBG is like a weird, like one, it's early access, two, it's a battle royale game that has like technical issues and like, you know, it's not that full package that you, you'd expect. But I feel like over the years, tastes have started to shift and evolve in ways that we're more accepting toward different types of ideas for games and different like untitled goose game specifically is one that i would not have guessed like i would have i would have expected like an indie like an indie nominee or indie winner for this this category to be like disco elysium or outer wilds or something along that realm still like even though untitled goose game wouldn't be my pick and i'm still surprised that it won game of the year like I, st- I think that's still cool. Yeah, there's there's a lot of questions I have. Like, I, I don't know the actual voting process for, for DICE and how, mm-hmm. like, this actually comes to be. Like, yeah. how it is decided. And I wonder, was there a split vote situation? Was there oh, actually, yeah. like, a runaway success with the, with the goose? That was definitely, like, my first assumption is that, like, Control, Death Stranding, Disco Elysium, Our Wild split the vote so, so much that Untitled Goose Game just shot to the top. Yeah, and I, I, this goes back to last year being a weird year. You saying that you thought that uh, Resident Evil 2 was a shoe, and I definitely didn't because it was a remake, and I think that that mm-hmm. uh, immediately hits it down. I feel like last year didn't have that 
standout triple A that one pick like that one pick uh, in terms of not even just the obvious what's the game of the year but just in terms of the obvious of like um, oh that's the mainstream game you know what I mean yeah. like that's like, that's the the I mean God of War is such a weird one but the Overwatch that's the Overwatch of yeah. this year right it just didn't have that but it's cool that it had so many different things and when all of these award shows we've seen over the last couple months it's every single list of nominations is always slightly different like it's always a it, there's like ten games to choose from, and every award show has like the six, but it's a different yeah. six. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. And then also seeing the the winners of it all. Uh, the, I agree with you. The goose is definitely the one that I didn't think was actually going to win any game of the, of the year awards. But yeah, especially here we like are. Dice, right? Which is like a, a major one. Like, I mean, congratulations. But to continue, right? Action game of the year. The nominees were Call of Duty: Modern Warfare, Control, Devil May Cry Five, Gears Five, Sekiro, and then Control won that one. Adventure game of the year. The nom- and I have issue with this category, but the nominees for Adventure Game of the Year are Death Stranding, Luigi's Mansion 3, Resident Evil 2, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. And Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order won. Adventure Game, that's a weird category because I feel like when you think of Adventure Game, you think of point-and-click adventure. Or like something like Telltale's I mean, yeah, Walking Dead. I feel like they're going action-adventure here. Yeah. Unless there's also an action-adventure category. Cat genre, man. Let's just kill it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Hey, fuck it. But I feel like we... <laughs> let the past die. Kill it. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. But I feel like there is an understanding of like, oh yeah, action-adventure... But adventure is such a when you say just adventure, yeah, right, I'm thinking like Grim Fandango. You think I'm like thinking Grim like, Fandango, yeah. or even like when you think of modern adventure games, right? Mm-hmm. I think of like Gone Home or like yeah. Walking Simulators, stuff that's more story based and games. like Telltale games. Yeah. You know, Detroit Become Human, like stuff like that, where it is like you are you are doing choose your own adventurous type stuff or like narrative based games. That's that's kind of what I think of when I think of specifically adventure. So it's interesting how they kind of go their own path with it, but. These are the Dice Awards. Look, so. here's the deal, man. Call it whatever the fuck you want to call it. Yeah. This is, hey, it's not game of the year, but we want to give it a shout out. That's what the category actually is, yeah. right? It's mm-hmm. just, let's put all the fucking games here that it's just like, well, you know, these are great games. Mm-hmm. Here's the, the great, the, the game of the great year award. I, so, I, I feel like they're, for video game categorization, I feel like we could get it down to a science, is my thing, right? And I don't, I don't know if the answer is, like, Let's do it. Let's do like more so like horror game of the year, or and then like comedy game of the year, and go that route and look at it more like genre, genre almost analogous to movie genres. Or if it is like this is the path of like yeah, fighting game, racing game, family game. You know, family game is also a weird one. I feel like there is there is a way we can get it down to a science. I don't know how. You're not a scientist. I'm not a scientist. Yeah, I'm just a humble video games media person. Family game of the year. Uh, the winner is Super Mario Maker Two. I'm just going to say winners for now because there's a lot of categories. Yeah. Final game of the year, Mortal Kombat 11. Racing game of the year, Mario Kart Tour, which I think is an interesting one. Wait. What? Racing game of the <laughs> year, game Mario of the Kart year. Tour. The other nominees, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fuel, <laughs> Dirt Rally 2.0, F1 2019, and Trials Rising. That, this feels like the game of the year equivalent of Goose Game winning over the Yeah, Mario Kart nominees. Tour would not be my pick. Yeah. Very Mario Kart Tour in, unequivocally sucks. Yeah. What the and fuck? I played... <laughs> Hours of that thing. Yeah. Like, I probably put 10 hours into that game. Really? Yeah. I put it in 20 minutes, and I was like, nope. I was like, sucks. I'm pushing through, man. Why? Why would you do that to yourself? I don't know. I love you too much for you to do that to I yourself. Know. Role-playing game of the year. The winner is Outer Worlds. Good for them. Which I feel like is also an inter- interesting one, because Disco Elysium was also nominated, along with Final Fantasy XIV, Shadowbringers, Kingdom Hearts 3, and Pokemon Sword, and Pokemon Shield. Mm. Outer, I, I liked Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds would not have been my pick out of mm. those, those games. What would be your pick? 
I've not played Disco Elysium, but from the ways I've heard people talk about Disco Elysium and what I know about Disco Elysium, I would expect that that and, fi- and Shadowbringers, honestly, to mm-hmm. be over Outer Worlds. Um, out of the ones here I played, then like Outer, Outer Worlds would be my default pick because mm-hmm. I would pick it over Pokemon. Oh yeah, but that's kind of how, how I'm seeing it. Sports game of the year, it's FIFA 20. Strategy should have been MLB city. the Show. Just saying, should it have been though? Yes. Should it? FIFA's the fucking same every year. ML- so is MLB. No, it's not. They When's changed the, the last rules? time they changed the baseball players? They changed the rules to baseball, dude. Yeah, dude. Oh, did they? No, they added a bunch of cool new modes and shit. They're it not using bats the, anymore. It was the first time an MLB the ball. Show game was engaging since like 2014. Wait, say that again. It's Jet the pack. first time an MLB the Show game was engaging since oh, 2014. Okay. So All right. I'm just saying. I'll buy it. They deserved it. I'll buy it. Strategy slash simulation game of the year. Fire Emblem Three Houses. Immersive, reality, technical achievement, blood and truth. Congratulations. I really like that game. Immersive, reality game of the year, Pistol Whip, which is one I've always... I've, I, I want to play. Uh, I don't think it's on PSVR, though, and so come to PSVR and I'll play you. Outstanding achievement for an independent game, Untitled Goose Game, and that's over a short hike, Disco Elysium, Sayonara Wild Hearts, and with the golf. Portable game of the year, Sayonara Wild Hearts, and that's over Grindstone, Call of Duty Mobile, Sky Children of Light, and with the golf. Online game of the year, Apex Legends. Legit. Nice. You love to see it. Outstanding achievement in game design, Bob is you. Outstanding achievement in game direction, Control. Outstanding achievement in animation, Luigi's Mansion 3. Outstanding achievement in art direction, Control. Outstanding achievement in character, Untitled Goose Game. What the fuck? Over Grease. Also, no, that's bullshit. If anybody was to be uh, nominated for character from the Star Wars game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Why Grease? He's a funny character. Greasy money, baby. But, like, he doesn't have, like, this overarching, like, major character development where you're like, fuck, he's like, what? Yeah. But Bless makes a good point, though. Greasy money, baby. Yeah, <laughs> greasy money, God, baby. I hate you both. Outstanding achievement in original music composition, control, um, and then, actually, there's only a few left, so I'll, I'll finish this. Uh, outstanding achievement in audio design, Death Stranding. Outstanding achievement in story, Disco Elysium. And then, lastly, outstanding technical achievement, Death Stranding. There we go. Congratulations, all those Dice Award winners. Said it before, I'll say it again. Video games are cool. Video games are cool, man. Number two, Sony is struggling with PlayStation 5 price due to costly parts. This is from Takashi Mochizuki of Bloomberg. Now, this is a meaty story. Mm -hmm. And so, strap in. Beefy. Scarce components have pushed the manufacturing costs for Sony Corp's next PlayStation to around $450 per unit, forcing a difficult price-setting decision in its battle with Microsoft Corp., according to people with knowledge of the matter. The Japanese conglomerate is preparing to gradually replace the six-year-old PS4 console releasing PlayStation 5 the same holiday season its arch-rival debuts the upcoming Xbox Series X. Sony typically finalizes a console's price in February of the release year, followed by a mass production in the spring. With the, with the PS5, the company is taking a wait-and-see approach, said the people, asking, to, uh, asking not to be named because the details are private. The PS4, released in 2013 at a retail price of $399, was estimated by IHS Market to cost $381 to manufacture, and that's important. With the $450 unit cost and a similar gross margin, the PS5's retail price would have to be at least $470. That would be a hard sell to consumers considering Sony's most expensive machine now is the $399 PS4 Pro and is often discounted according to, man, that's a word, McCary Capital Analyst Damien Thong. Quote, consumers will benchmark their expectations based on the PS4 Pro and PS4, Thong said. 
quote, if Sony price if Sony prices above that, it will likely be to balance a need to offset higher material costs against high against risk to demand. End quote. Sony dec- declined to comment. The company's biggest headache is ensuring a reliable supply of DRAM and NAND flash memory. With both in high demand as, a, as smartphone makers gear up for fifth generation devices, according to people familiar with Sony's operations, Samsung Elect- Electronics Co. just announced its, its Galaxy S20 product range, each variant of which will have 5G and a minimum, minimum of 12 gigabytes of RAM in the US. Video game companies o- often sell, yeah, video game companies often sell hardware at thin margins or even at, at a loss because they profit from lucrative game software and recurring online subscription services. Sony's chief executive officer, Kenichiro Yoshida, has said the business should be judged by the number of active users, not the number of hardware units sold. Some Sony game staff think it should sell the new console at a loss if necessary to match Microsoft's price, while other Sony executives would prefer to make money as the company did with the PS4. Quote, we must keep PlayStation 5's bill of materials under under our control, and we need to make the correct number of units in the initial production, end quote. Sony's chief financial officer, Hiroki Totoki, said at an earnings briefing earlier this month. Most of the co- components for the console have been locked down, the people said, including the cooling system, which is unusually expensive at a few dollars per unit. Typically, companies would spend less than a dollar, but Sony opted to lavish more on making sure heat dissipation from the powerful chips housed inside the console isn't an issue. The ongoing coronavirus outbreak has had no impact so far on preparations for PS5 production, they said. The company has yet to decide how many PS5 units it will make uh, it will make in the first year, they added. Separately, Sony plans to release a new version of PSVR of the PSVR virtual reality headset tentatively scheduled after the PS5 goes on sale, the people said. Sony has already canceled some previously planned features for a new mirrorless camera due to this year due, uh, due this year owing to the cons- uh, constraining DRAM supply. Several people Interesting. Yeah, several people with knowledge of the matter said. So they're changing their plans in other parts of their business to focus on the PlayStation yeah. side. Yeah, yeah. Sony executives are voicing patience about the next console's pricing as they anticipate the transition to be a gradual one, said people familiar with its day-to-day operations. Many of the games launched for PS5 will also be available to play on the predecessor machine, so revenue from software and related network service services is expected to keep the business performance intact. Microsoft mm. and Sony both ex- are both expanding their respective online subscription services. Can Rev- you read that again? Yeah. So The ma- predecessor bit? Yeah, many of the games launched for PS5 will also be available to play on the predecessor machine, so revenue from software and related network services is expected to keep the business performance intact. So that sounds exactly like that is that is exactly what you think. Just that there's going to be two versions of the games? That to me sounds more like what we saw oh, yeah. last so, like, gen where it's like there's a Assassin's Creed There's on... a PS5 version and a PS4 version. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, okay. that's that... so not like what Xbox is doing. Where it's there's one version. Well, I feel like Xbox is doing the same thing also, right? Because Xbox for Xbox Series X, I imagine, and this is weird, weird future stuff because we don't we don't really know what it's like yet because messaging is so weird. But I imagine that for Xbox Series X, there will be, say, Halo Infinite. There's going to be a Halo Infinite Xbox Series X version and an Xbox One version. We'll see. We'll see. That's how that's how I've interpreted it. Yeah, we've talked about this a lot on this show. Yeah, but. yeah. I thought like Microsoft was clear about like there would be separate versions. Is it? Will it be the same like? We'll Disc, see. Though? My money yeah. is on it being one version. 
so weird. This generation going into this generation feels so weird. I, yeah, we'll know. It, soon. It's all going to be clear once they just start talking. It's like yeah. once all we need is Xbox to be like, it's just Xbox. There's the different series, but it's Xbox. Then it's like, why would they have different SKUs of the game? Yeah. Just yeah. have the game. By June, we'll understand. Like June, yeah. once they once we start seeing box art and we see it either say Xbox Series X or Xbox Series or Xbox Family, whatever it is, mm-hmm. then we'll get a good idea of like what is this. But from what I understand, right. PS5, from this paragraph alone, PS5 games, some of them, probably more of them than we'd expect, are going to be also available on the PS4. See, to me, this is really talking about games like Cyberpunk and Avengers. Really? Right? Specifically, yeah. Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, it's, it's hoping that these type of, like, uh, Destiny-like experiences are going to be the thing that, like, keeps them going. And they want to have that smooth transition from this gen to next gen hmm. um, with the PlayStation yeah. Online services. Some of those, I mean, Cyberpunk, I have that assumption already that there's going to be a PS5 version. Whether or not it's going to be remastered or Game of the Year edition or whatever it may be, right? Like, they're getting like, that money. Yeah, so one way or another, money, they're right? getting that money. But they're talking about here, right, Sony's income, which they do make money off of, like, you know, third-party games, right? They they, they, they get a cut. Yeah, but what but I'm it, saying is it's the income of their online services. It, it's, like, okay, the yeah. keeping people playing in that ecosystem and, like, to continue on. Like, that's that's what they want, is they want those subscription numbers. Many of the games launched for the PS5 will be available also on the predecessor machine, so revenue from software and related network services is expected. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's another thing. Could, like yeah. we, we we don't know till we know. Like until PlayStation starts talking about what the PS5 actually is, when it's coming, what games are coming, like what that all looks like. It's like we just don't know PS5 games. So it's like mm-hmm. right now we can only think about what we know of Last of Us Two and Ghost of Tsushima and things like that, yeah. and like the third party titles. But then eventually, it's like like Horizon Two is not coming out on PlayStation Four. Well, or is it? Well, that's the thing. That's that's what I'm getting from this paragraph is that it might right if it's a launch game. But why would they do that? It's <laughs> yeah. we'll see, man. Marcus, and so going back to the the, the money, the cost of this, yeah. right? Like, so five hundred dollars, uh, I don't think is outrageous for the PlayStation Five to to launch at. I, I think that that's not ideal. Yeah, that's not what they want, though. Um, of course, but it's not outrageous for sure. But knowing Sony, like, and looking at them in the past, like, I don't think that they're going to take that big of a uh, a hit when it comes to like taking a loss on hardware sales. That's just not the business they do. Um, they're gonna want to maintain that the the you know number yeah. one placement that they have, but um, that's gonna be a tall order when what like they're not if the thing is gonna be a struggle to hit five hundred, they're not gonna drop to four hundred like what four fifty like it's, anything can help, but I feel like four fifty might be their option is since like you know the if the costs are coming out to four hundred fifty dollars like unit price and they don't want to lose money, right? And they prefer to gain like they they prefer to make money. I feel like going from 450 to 500, like 500 is going to be something they don't want to do and and I could see them wanting 450 over 500. And I feel like they would do 450, you know, with like with them wanting to still, you know, make money off of software and, and online services and stuff. Yeah. Like I feel like that's a viable option more so than Losing fifty dollars, fifty dollars on each console. I feel like that's a big ask for them. Yeah, man. God, this—it's such an interesting like warscape to look at. Where it's like, man, it's a—is Xbox going to come in with this like super cheap machine that really can do all the things that the the other one can, just lesser, mm-hmm. and that's fine because the games are there. But if the games are everywhere, then there's nothing special about the Xbox. So what's that going to do for PlayStation? Like we've never seen something this weird, like, this weird, yeah. and this fucking like interesting. Where it's like both sides have such 
compelling arguments. To continue, Microsoft and Sony are both expanding their respective online subscription services, revenue from which may, al- may allow them greater flexibility on hardware pricing. People within PlayStation Business Unit said a key factor in deciding the ultimate PlayStation 5 retail price will be where Microsoft sets its price for next-generation Xbox Series X. Microsoft is widely expected to hold that information back until the E3 Gaming Expo in Los Angeles in June. There is pressure from CFO Totoki for Sony to provide more transparency and information in the build-up to PS5's release, which has caused some consternation internally. Asked about when he expects Sony to provide guidance on gaming business outlook for the new f- fiscal year, Totoki said the plan is no different from the recent past, meaning the guidance can be expected around the end of April. If the company takes longer than usual, analysts may look to its next investor relation, relations meetings to glean hints about the new console's retail price. The company held that meeting in late May last year. So a lot to chew on. It is. Here. Hmm. I... I don't know. I don't know when Sony's going to make their announcements. Like, at this point, it's not February. No, you were, no it's not you February. Were right, yes. You were right. Thank I you. Gotta, I appreciate I it. I owe you some pizza. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, depends, because March is the gray period. It could yeah, happen in March. You're right. I don't think it's going to happen I don't in March. Think, I don't think so, either. I think I think May is probably the, the right time. Mm-hmm. But with all this talk of the, the price, Xbox being probably at E3, where they're going to yeah. do their show, although they could not. They're, they're, Microsoft could have... Uh, a March event, you know, or a May event, or any time. <laughs> yeah. Right? What if Xbox is hearing this? It's just like, you know what? We, we're going to hold off <laughs> as long <laughs> as possible. <laughs> August. But at this point, and this is, a, this is a question we keep bringing up now, right? With what we know, we know way more about the consoles than we did last time around, mm-hmm. right? Like last time around, it was the year of the console releases. It was February and I believe May, right, for the... PS PS4 and Xbox One, uh, their conferences or whatever, like their reveals of mm-hmm. the consoles, right? At this point, we know quite a bit about the consoles. Xbox, for sure, I believe we know Xbox is going to be at E3. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, technically, they're going to be outside of E3. Yeah, but, but they're they're gonna they're gonna quote activate. They're doing something. They're week. activating. Yeah, yeah, they're activating that week, right? Yeah. We don't well, know they're doing a press conference, though. And that's a... That's I, true. I assume they are. But I'm saying we don't know that they that's are. That's a good point. We don't have that conversation and, yet. And uh, from being at E3 the last couple of years and seeing what Microsoft's done is they just get the the big theater, the Microsoft theater. Yeah. Um, and kind of like that's where they do their conference, but then that's also where they have all their, their demos. Mm-hmm. So you can just go do the demos. They don't need to do the conference bit. They can just turn it into a giant demo space for all their games and have people come and play them. Yeah, um, I don't think that's the case. I think that they are going to have a, a conference. Like Microsoft, right now, they're kind of teed up for it, right? They're teed up for being the the biggest conference of E3. They're the only ones. Yeah. Why would they not take that and run with it? Right. That's my thing. So, like, would they? Like, is it an option for them to go before E3 and then again at E3 with all of what we know so far? Like, how much more information can they provide for us that would take up two? I- I think they could. I don't think that that would be a smart call. Now, bless. Yes. There are some interesting things to think about with all of this. Two words. Jeff Keighley. Oh, man. I love those two words. This guy backing out of E3, right? Mm. 
I wasn't on the shows when we talked about all this. There is ramifications to this in many different ways. It's not just, oh, he's not going to be at E3 and like, oh, that's going to change the your amount of access to developers and interviews and things like that yeah. unless someone comes into a place. And it's not just a host. That's production. There's so much that Jeff does that isn't just like, hey, I'm here talking to this person. It's like he plans so much of the, the actual content itself and the programming. What else does he plan? Game opening, Awards. Oh, okay. I was what gonna say opening night plan? live. Opening night yeah. live in Gamescom. There's this industry need or want and desire right now to fucking kill E3. <laughs> and it's just like forever people have been moving towards Gamescom, at least the scuttlebutt around around the industry is is leaning towards Gamescom. It being bigger, it being more like uh worldwide and all this stuff. I wonder, is that too late? I think it is. Yeah, no, yeah. But but like when we're talking there about there will be something happening. But like, when we're talking about the like, can they go twice? That's they're going twice. That's their second time, right? Hmm. Also, speaking of E3 Coliseum, the last like couple episodes we've been taking, we've been keeping an eye on their website because with Jeff Keighley announcing that he's dipping out, right? The E3 website has had it, like the E3 Coliseum page, updated as wait until Thursday, right? Thursday we're we're gonna announce something or like get ready to register on Friday or whatever, right? I went to check on it because I was like, oh, yeah, I've not heard anything about E3 Coliseum. Are they still doing it? Now, if you go to the E3 Coliseum page, it's a 404. Whoa. It says game over, <laughs> 404. The page you're looking for does not exist or has been moved. Wow. And so E3 Coliseum, probably not happening this year. Rest in peace. 2020 Gamescom is August 25th through August 29th. Definitely too late for, like, that pre-order push. Of course, that. yeah. But that is a good time for some, like, final punches of uh, getting that upper hand going into the next gen of what side are you taking? For the people that can only get one of these consoles, of which many people can only get one, mm-hmm. what is going to sway them this way or that way? Yeah. Right? And I think that, that Gamescom is going to be real damn interesting. It is. Nail biologist writes in and says, happy Valentine's Day, blessing and Tim. Valentine's Day, never heard of it. Mm-mm. Blue blur, baby. PS5 will reportedly cost $450 per unit to, to manufacture. Is this a worrying sign for release day prices? In comparison, the PS4 was estimated to cost $381 per unit uh, to make and was sold at $399 for a slim profit. Does this give Microsoft a major advantage? Xbox, backed by the major safety net of Microsoft, to me at least, has the opportunity to, to undercut the PS5 price based on this estimate to gain market share, even if it means lo- uh, losses for console sales. Will Sony take the risk? T- take the risk. Sell. Uh, take the risk to sell the units at four hundred and fifty dollars or even lower to keep people playing their consoles. Thanks, the name of biologist. Uh, dude, it's it's anyone's ge- guess right now. Like I, I can see them just t- being confident, just being like, no, it's four fifty. I can even see them being like, fuck it, it's five hundred dollars, and it's worth it. And here's why. Game, 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 game. Yeah. It's the best place to play these games. And the only place you can play these games. And that's something that Xbox doesn't have. It has a handful of things, but it's like, we need to start seeing those things happen more and more. The exclusive battle, like we've talked about so often, right? Sony has that in spades. Every time we're on the show and we're talking, I keep saying that I'm predicting that Sony's going to be real top-heavy this generation where earlier uh-huh. we're going to see banger 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 to get that install base yeah. this generation flip is unlike any we've ever seen there is a way smoother transition for everything that we've heard um from going from this gen to next gen and it, for a lot of it it's like 
we it might be a while before people need the next consoles. It's more of a do you want the next consoles, mm-hmm. you know? And it won't be until next year that we're really starting to see that kind of um, play out of the hardware sales really kind of moving ahead on the Xbox side or PlayStation side based on the proof being in the pudding of is Xbox's ecosystem plan going to work out for them? Is PlayStation's exclusive plan going to work out for them? Yeah. I'm starting to see a future or a a console release this fall where it is like PS5 comes out at $500 and Xbox comes out like whatever their equal skew is comes out at $400 right uh, the, the Series X Yeah, I guess I'll, yeah, the Series X right comes out at $400 and if that's the case I feel like Sony's going to try and sell you hard. <laughs> like Sony like we are going to s- see earlier trailers for like God of War that's and what Horizon I'm saying, man. And that's what I'm saying. It's and, like yeah. They can come out at a higher price point if they are like, yo, motherfuckers, we're giving you the sequels. God of War, Spider-Man, Horizon, all of them. They're fucking happening. Yeah. They're happening earlier than you think. Not right now, but like, here's the lineup. Here's what we're going to – we're going to leave the breadcrumbs for you. Like, yeah. This is why you need it now. You know? We'll see. Yeah. Number three. Half-Life Alex has a release date. Wow. I'm pulling this from Andrew Webster of The Verge. The long-awaited next Half-Life is coming very soon. Half-Life Alex, a VR spinoff that was revealed last year, will launch on March 23rd. Valve previously said that the game would be available sometime in March. Announced back in November, Alex is the first new Half-Life game in 13 years, and it's exclusive to virtual reality platforms. Valve says that it will be a full-length title, designed to be played for hours at a time. Quote, today, we generally see playtesters play go for two to three hours before taking a bathroom break, end quote. Programmer Robin Walker told The Verge, and if it's a success, Val, Val says that there could be more Half-Life titles coming in the future as well. <laughs> Tim, Dude, we it, this is real. We got a date. They're going to hit it. I, I'm really confident. Um, earlier in the year when we did our predictions for the year, I predicted that they're going to hit the, the yeah. date. And it's not going to get delayed. And, and here we are. That looks like the reality. Wow. Yeah. Bonkers. Dude, three days after Doom and uh, Animal Crossing. A week before Final Fantasy VII Remake and, yeah. or uh, Resident Evil 3 and then Final Fantasy VII Remake a week after that. Yeah. Wow. What a great time. It's, to be it's about to be nuts, man. Like, you know, with all the delays that have happened, like the, the front half of the year has gotten a little bit barren. Mm. But not the front half, more like the front the first, quarter, yeah, right? Yeah, the first like, few months. Yeah, because we're about to... It's about to be real nice. Man. It is. We're it's about to be, be real popping. Well. We're going to be eating. Mm-hmm. Number four, January MPD is in and spending is down. I'm pulling this from Jeff Grubb of VentureBeat. Gaming fans in the United States are over the current generation of consoles, and that has led to another month of significant declines in spending. Even the younger and more vigorous Nintendo Switch was down in terms of hardware spending. January was also light on major releases outside of the month's top-selling Dragon Ball Z uh, Kakarot. Quote, January 2020 tracked spending across video game, hardware, software, accessories, and game cards totaled $678 million. And uh, MPD analyst Matt Piscatella said, that's down 26% when compared to a year ago. Late cycle hardware dynamics for PS4 and Xbox One, as well as a lighter new release software slate, drove the variance, end quote. The issue is that most people who, who want a PS4 or Xbox One already have one. And while Dragon Ball Z Kakarot performed well, it faced a tough comparison. January 2019 had Kingdom Hearts 3, Resident Evil 2, New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, and ongoing sales of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Let's get to the software chart. 
As a note, MPD tracks physical sales at retailers, but it also gets digital data directly from publishers, but not every company participates. For example, Nintendo doesn't share its first-party digital sales, and Activision Blizzard does not provide its Battle.net sales. And so, here are the January 2020 MPD for the top 20 best-selling games of the month in the U.S. And these are sorted by dollar sales, not number of units sold. I'm going to start at 20, right? At 20, we have Pokemon Shield, Mortal Kombat 11, Just Dance 2020, FIFA 20, Need for Speed Heat, The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, Star Wars Battlefront 2, Luigi's Mansion 3, Pokemon Sword, Minecraft, and at number 10, Red Dead Redemption 2, Ring Fit Adventure, Mario Kart 8, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, NBA 2K20, and number 5, we have Grand Theft Auto 5, number 4, we have Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, number 3, Madden NFL 20, and number 2, we have Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019, and at number 1, we have Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Get there it. There we go. Number one, baby. Number one. Okay, so you, you kind of broke my brain for a second because I was like, Pokemon Shield outsold Pokemon Sword? Oh, what? yeah, yeah, and all backwards. Yeah. But it was backwards. That makes but a lot of sense. It's still surprising. It seems like Pokemon Sword outsold Pokemon Shield by a lot because Pokemon yeah, that- Shield's at 20. Pokemon Sword is at 12. Because it's the cooler title. I, I, mean, wonder, yeah. I wonder how close, though. Like, I wonder like how close that gap is because that, that is bizarre that mm. it would be that big of a... Uh, of, a, of a gap, but yeah. also, dude, Pokemon, sword. Man, they got two, they got two fucking uh, spots on this 20 list. Dude, <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, are there any other standouts to you aside from that? Um, Ring Fit Adventure, kind of. Yeah. But, but even, that high, I've heard I think. such great things about it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is like people, people dig it a lot. And, uh, you know, when you look at that story, it, it sounds very doom and gloom, but really it's just kind of the reality of this. It's where we're at. Of the compare. It's where we're at, but more than that, just comparing this January and coming out of the holiday season to last it's apples to oranges. Yeah. Like not only were there not many games coming out in January of consequence, uh, there weren't many games coming out in in December of consequence yeah. that are going to sell systems. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I remember for OKBs we did our game of the year <clears throat> in December, right? Where December 2018, it was one of those things where it's like, all right, like Greece is coming out. We have Smash. We have quite a few games we want to like you know get in and play before game of the year. And, for, and this time around, right in 2019, December was like. Oh no! This is a breeze. There's yeah. nothing coming out. Yeah, in December. there was a couple things in November. There, were, you know, we had Star Wars and stuff. Yeah, Star Wars right? and stuff. But but that was kind of it. Then games yeah. just stopped. Games stopped. Yeah. DH Canada writes in and says, "What's up, KFGD crew?" So GTA Five was one of the top five selling games of January 2020. Shout out to Kakarot being number one. Am I crazy for thinking there's a chance GTA gets re-released on next gen consoles, or does backwards compatibility make that pointless? I mean, why not get some more cash by selling it to people again? Hope y'all have a good Valentine's weekend. This Valentine's Day, I just want Square Enix to whisper three little words into my ear: the quote, bouncer "The Bouncer Remake." I knew Join it. the movement. I knew it. Hashtag Remake <laughs> the Bouncer. Fuck. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of like we were saying earlier, though, where it's like we we don't until we see what the box looks like, we don't know like what's going to be pointless and what's going to help yeah, like companies what, make money. What, so, what's like, the remaster of the next gen? Like, yeah, what does that look? But like? like, also like, what is like how accessible is backwards compatibility? How easy is that? Is that a disc based thing? Are we packaging Xbox One Series X games the same as Xbox One games? Who knows? So if it's less like that, I th- I would I wouldn't be surprised if they re-release. I, I think it's patch-based future, baby. But yeah, I, I exactly. think no matter what, though, I think we will get a new GTA Five. Like whether or not it's a remaster or like whatever it may be, I think like I I think if if we can't do remasters this gen, Rockstar will then 
do like okay here's finally your single player dlc packaged in with gta 5 no, they'll, right they'll like a gta 5 royal they'll never do that i think i mean i think they would do it and yeah. I, I, I you think seven you think seven years later they're going to finally come out with single player dlc for a game if it'll like, sell if it'll sell, sell boxes yes i i don't see they're Rockstar. still making multiplayer deal like new. There, there are new characters, new assets being made for GTA. Yeah, because online. multiplayer is the pull now. That the single yeah. player isn't the pull seven years later. So no, but like, I think I, I, he has a point that it would be the pull. It would though. be a pull. Like though. to, like, to I do would, that, I, you're, it's not going to happen. It's but. not. <laughs> but I, I, I think all of us here would probably buy a new copy of GTA Five if it had single player DLC in it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I, I, I just think that. It, I predict that we're not going to see a world where we get those type of remasters next gen. I think it is mm-hmm. going to be a bit more seamless, and uh, I think it's going to be very patch-based like it has been with Xbox One X currently, where it's the enhanced for X stuff. Like, And that's the thing there is... It doesn't make the money, though. The thing there is how do they monetize that? Yeah. Like, how do they turn that into a new exciting thing? And and I feel like if anyone can do it, it is Rockstar. They can find a way to... like. Be like, oh man, mm-hmm. like you, you should do this and and get this thing, and yeah. here's what it costs. <laughs> I think those that they're already they've already done that for the last seven years, yeah. right? Like it's been seven years of them patching in new content for GTA Online, continuing to be like one of the best selling games of the generation, right? With while being a last generation game, like I, I don't think they could just patch in something new and continue to. I mean, they I mean they could 100% continue to write off that, but. I think they can make more money by putting something new on the box, right? Mm-hmm. GTA Five, blank something. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like something super substantial. It could be a five-hour narrative thing, right, on the single-player side. And it'll still sell. Like it would give anybody a new reason to buy GTA Five, buy the actual box again. People will do it. And I, I agree with that. I think that the narrative stuff is too much of an investment, where and and mm-hmm. too much of a mindshare investment. Of we're we're close enough to GTA Six, I think that mm-hmm. they wouldn't want to muddy those waters uh with a single player type dlc package whereas i can see i do it, i just can't wait to see what these fucking boxes look like yeah because yeah like what what type of change would that need to look like is it the same disc just in a different box because i wouldn't even be surprised if they did that you know depending mm-hmm. on how like what xbox games looks like like i believe that we're gonna get a, a box that is just x it just says xbox on it and there'll be little fine print at the bottom. This is playable on this console, this console, this console. And that's just like, it is what it is. And it right now it's confusing to the consumer. In a couple of years, everyone's going to understand what that means, right? Yeah. And once that happens, I do see them going back and pinpointing certain games like a GTA Five that they know are going to keep selling and just putting it, the same, literal same disc in mm. a different box that just has different branding yeah like almost like the greatest like playstation greatest, greatest hits. hits and things like that it's, but it's only weird for us to think about right now because it's crossing generations mm-hmm. yeah my, my i mean my prediction is i think 100 they're gonna do some like whether it is what you're saying right or like a weird remaster or we've added ray tracing into gta 5 like there's gonna be a marketing thing, a new a way they market GTA 5 again on the next gen, gen of consoles I, I, my I, one I, prediction my yeah i i think the thing we'll get is that it'll be the same disc like tim is saying but then there will be like a some sort of update uh for the next gen consoles that makes it look better with ray tracing or whatever Mm -hmm. and i feel like they don't do like a whole like remaster re-release or whatever i think we're too close like you were saying to gta 6 for that to be like a huge man in addition how close are we for the gta 6 really though i don't know but i think i think we're close enough that you wouldn't want to Muddy that stuff. Muddy that experience. 
But uh, I do think that in addition to there being the, the race to the prices of these consoles, I also think there is a race to a, um, the language of these consoles. And whoever can kind of own the messaging and, mm. get, and nail it correctly before the other guy of how all this stuff works, I think is going like, to really win the mind share of the people uh, when it comes to if you can monetize and sell the, whatever the ray tracing enhanced patches are going to be for these games yeah. and people associate that with your console – that's really gonna that's gonna be a huge factor. Tim, I'm really excited to see however Rockstar decides to just get all the money mm-hmm. out of our pockets. Mm-hmm. Just rob us blind. But that's gonna be so far away. If I wanted to know what's coming to mom and grop shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the kind of funny games daily show host each and every weekday. Yeah. Out today, we got Best Friends Forever for Switch and PC. And I've actually demoed that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a dating sim with dogs. Oh. Yeah. It was in a Nintendo Direct. Or was it part of the kind of funny. It was um, part of the uh, Nintendo Direct, I Nintendo think, Direct last year. Um, that's very exciting. Alyssa's looking forward to that one. There you go. Darksiders Genesis is, is uh, out today for Switch and PS4. Dreams. There we go, baby. Yeah, is out for PS4. Getting fantastic reviews. Dude, it is. I've been playing it. And let me tell you, man, the the packed-in campaign, uh, Arch Dream is what it's called. I played it last night. Oh, man. I'll tell you about it on PSLVU XOXO because I don't want to spoil what I I think, but I think some things about it. (laughs) Railway Empire is out today for Switch. Snack World, the Dungeon Crawl Gold is out for Switch. Street Fighter V Champion Edition, PS4, PC. Bleeding Edge Closed Beta 1 is out today for uh, for Xbox One, which will be streaming later. Kitty Maestro is out for Switch. Kitty Maestro. Railway Mm. Empire Nintendo Switch Edition is out for Switch. Read Master, re-remastered, we know, read remastered (laughs) for PS4 and Switch. Saboteur 2 Avenging Angel for PS4. Speedway Racing for Switch. The Incredible Adventures of Super Panda is out for Switch. Under Hero, which I'm playing, is out for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. You'll hear more uh, more about that on PSLVU XOXO. Warriors Orochi for Ultimate is out for PS4, Xbox One, Windows PC, and Switch. And then the sixth DLC of Wreckfest, the Rusty Rat no, the Rusty Rats Car Pack is out today on all platforms. New dates, we have Sonic at the Olympic Games, Tokyo 2020 is coming to Android and iOS in May. And is that has that happened before? Have they had previous Olympic Games games come out for the iOS? Like, like mobile? mobile? Yeah. Not that I know of, but that's the first I've heard of that. And then publisher Merge Games and Berlin-based studio Ion Lands invites you to cruise amongst the clouds. The clouds? The clouds is the clouds in the neon streaked skies of Cloudpunk when it releases later this year. Cloudpunk. Now it's time for reader mail. You can write into patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Upstart. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy. Getting out is hard, especially if your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score and offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high interest credit card debt. When Greg moved to SF, he took out a loan and the rate sucked. Upstart could have helped because Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter rate. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. They make, they make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate. Since it's just a soft pull, it won't affect your credit score. The hard pull happens if you accept your rate. 
The best part, once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. Free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is top ranked in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot and hurry up to upstart.com slash kfgames to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash kfgames. Next, we're brought to you by Mint Mobile. If you're still using one of the big wireless providers this year, have you asked yourself what you're paying for? Between expensive retail stores, inflated prices, and hidden fees, you're being taken advantage of because they know you'll pay. Enter Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile provides the same premium network coverage you're used to, but at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. Mint Mobile, Mint Mobile saves on retail locations and overhead, then passes those savings directly to you. Tim got... Th- Tim got his mom this plan because she was getting overcharged for stuff she wasn't using. And Tim, that how'd that true. go? It was true. And not only that, it was so easy for her. She, she older, older woman. You know what I mean? Made us a lot of mistakes when it comes to the cell phones and all that stuff. All, there was always problems with things just being too complicated. Mm-hmm. This been mobile, sent right to her, super easy. There you go. Mint Mobile makes it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. It's true. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. With Mint Mobile, stop paying for unlimited data you'll never use. Choose between plans with 3, 8, or 12 gigabytes of 4G LTE data. Use your phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped directly to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/games. That's mintmobile.com/games. Cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/games. Then lastly, we're brought to you by Spotify's The Besties. Hey listeners, we know you love all things video games, so we want to tell you about Spotify, a Spotify original podcast called The Besties. Every Friday, the creators of The Adventure Zone, Justin and Griffin McElroy, are joined by their two best friends and hardened video game reporters, Rush, Russ Frushtick and Chris Plant, to go deep on a single new video game. If you've been a fan of Polygon, you'll know these guys. They co-founded it. Plus, the besties cover all the major moments in video games in 2020, from new console launches to Cyberpunk 2077 and beyond. And at the end of the year, they do compete. They, they do a complete showdown pitting all the top games of the year against one another to get to the top game of the year. It's pretty epic. But the besties can't do it without their fans who write in each week with all sorts of goofy suggestions. It's like a book club for video games. I freaking love Griff McElroy McElroy and Justin McElroy and Chris Blaine and Russ Frustrick. They're all great people. I've listened to their podcasts. They're awesome. They know what they're talking about. You can find the besties on Spotify, which also has your favorite podcast, including this one, and music all for free. Listen to the besties for free only on Spotify. The name of biologist writes in and says, hi, Blessing and Tim Klops. Me. Sonic the Hedgehog movie is getting surprisingly good reviews. Are we seeing a turn for video game movies? I mean, it makes sense. Creators who grew up playing Pokemon, Sonic, etc., are now able to make to direct and produce movies, so they want to uh, so they want to do those properties proud. Do you think with the resurgence of video game movies, not only be doing fairly well ratings wise, but even with box with opening box office numbers, we will see many more classic games get a chance on the big screen? Thanks, the nanobiologist. 
Well, we know we got the the Mario movie, the animated Mario movie coming next year. I think it is. Is it? That's oh yeah, twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one, which felt so far away. It did, <laughs> but hey, it's coming up now. Do you have faith um, in it? In the movie? Yeah, in the Mario movie. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I, I have as much faith as I have in in these properties, right? Like, I I'm interested to see where the actual box office ends up for Sonic. Um, I think it's going to do relatively well. Um, but Detective Pikachu didn't do as well as I thought it was going to. You know, bless you. Thank you. Uh, leading into Detective Pikachu, I thought they were hitting all the right notes where mm-hmm. it really looked like people gave a shit about this world and about Pokemon and about not just doing Pokemon, but doing Pokemon as a movie, not a video game. And uh-huh. I feel like that's the key thing to translate uh, from one medium to the the other. And uh, I think that Detective Pikachu, it was good. I enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't set the world on fire in terms of sales. And that's crazy when you add Ryan Reynolds and the cutest goddamn Pikachu, yeah, Pikachu you've ever seen. Yeah, right at the front. Um, and you just, I would ex- have expected that to be a massive hit with kids mm-hmm. um, in a way that it, it just simply wasn't. Um, will Sonic change that? I don't know. I don't think so. Like, you know? compared to uh, Detective Pikachu, I uh, don't want to save that. I was going to say Detective Pikachu, my opinions on it compared to Sonic, but I want to save that for Scream, scream uh, Fast. Yeah. But I don't know if Sonic has. Sonic definitely actually doesn't have the juice that Pokemon has, right? As a franchise, mm-hmm. and this Sonic movie compared to the Detective Pikachu movie, I don't think I don't feel like it's gonna have the juice it needs. Ooh, I don't know. I, really, I, I think that Sonic's gonna do better than the Detective really? Pikachu did. I think a lot of it has to do with just timing of like release, um, but also like Pokemon definitely as a franchise. I mean, it's Pokemon. Yeah, I don't need to say anything more. Sonic is so recognizable. Like Gia knew Sonic as a character for sure. Doesn't yes. know shit about him but for sure. Knew it, and of course she knew Pikachu as well. Mm-hmm. Um, That's but- my thing is I feel like if you did a test right and, and put Pikachu and Sonic in front of a hundred random people, more people will probably be able to recognize Pikachu yeah. over Sonic. Granted, more people might be able to name Sonic by name. Mm-hmm. Actually, people will be able to name Pikachu by name. At this point, yeah, yeah. At this point, I mean, it, you know, it's we're making weird arguments here, but I yeah. feel like that's the point, though. Is like that, that we we are we're talking about some of the most iconic characters in pop culture history. Period. Not just video games, yeah. right? Sonic is in that level. I think the difference is there might be an oversaturation of Pokemon that it might have felt like just another Pokemon movie. Mm. Whereas, like, oh, Sonic the Hedgehog, like that's. I know that from the '90s. Like that's like you know, parents know yeah, that it's shit. coming back, and it's it's like here it is, right? And like it's getting good reviews, and it's like that. It's that type of momentum and juice. Detective Pikachu was surrounded by uh, Aladdin and Lion King and Avengers. That's true. That's <laughs> you good know point. what I mean? Yeah, like, that's a very good point. Like that that makes it very difficult um, when you're you're comparing it directly. Like right now, Sonic's going up against nothing really, right? Birds of Prey, Birds which of is Prey. doing horribly. So yeah, sadly. it's gonna beat Birds of Prey. Yeah. So. Um, what what does this mean for the future of video game movies? I I don't know if it means much. I think that it it I, at this point I don't know if we're gonna get a Detective Pikachu sequel, and that makes me really sad. Mm-hmm. I, there's nothing I want more than more of that world. I feel like it was such a good attempt at it, and I don't think it was a great movie, but like I want more. I you didn't think you don't Sonic. think Detective Pikachu, Pikachu was a great movie? No, really. No, I I mean, and I love so much about it, but mm-hmm. like it was serviceable. I'm Good, very curious about the Sonic podcast we're about to record. Yeah, yeah. But um, I feel like this is, if anything, a sign that the industry is learning more. Because I feel like, you know, it's widely thought and known that video game movies aren't the greatest, right? Or haven't been the greatest, right? There's been a, there's been a history of bad video game movies. And recently with Detective Pikachu and Sonic, and I didn't watch the, the Warcraft movie, but I heard decent things about it, right? Like, 
I feel like more and more people are starting to wise up to what makes a serviceable like adaptation of a franchise. Here's my thing, though. I think that the notion that video game movies are bad is a very insular insular thing that we mm-hmm. have in our bubble, but that outside people don't care or understand, right? It's not like they like people don't look at it and be like, oh man, video game movies, that's gonna be bad. Mm-hmm. It's more like, oh, what's that franchise? Like it's really? fr- I think it's more franchise based. I feel like I've seen it more so just like video games blanket. Like as far as like how I've thought about video game adaptations over the last like I guess forever. But that's us. We're in. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. talking about the general moviegoer. I'm talking about like families that would be going to go see Sonic, Sonic. Or, or Detective Pikachu. Like people not... who love Resident Evil but have never like played those games. And stuff. absolutely, yeah. there are people that mm-hmm. have, that like love but those, those are, like, goddamn movies and like don't like, even know they're based on the video though. games. Like, like I feel like I feel like there are certain uh, like cult exceptions such as Resident Evil, right? And weren't there like wasn't there like a good Tomb Raider movie? <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but I heard good things about Tomb Raider movies, right? Which like, one? There's one. Which one? Or which one? I don't know, man. The modern one. Really? With uh, uh, oh, Alicia Vikander. Vikander. Yeah, Vikander. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. It was wasn't there? bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it wasn't great. Like, I don't think any of these movies have been great, though. That's fair. I don't know, man. I feel like, I feel like the last couple, right, have been... Better than I would have expected for video game movies. I don't know, and that I guess that's my thing is I just think that the notion that video game movies are bad is just like nah, dude. It's just like there was a lot of bad movies. Super, just like saying superhero movies are bad. It's like yeah, mm-hmm. there was a lot of bad superhero movies, a fuck ton of them. Mm-hmm. But there was also a lot of good ones at all points. You what know? would you say are your top three video game movies? Um, I don't know. I want to give an immediate shout out though to Dead or Alive. Which have you seen Dead or no, Alive? No, I've not seen it. No, horrible trash movie. Okay, but eat. Takes the ideas of that video game and translates it to the movie screen in beautiful, awesome, stupid, corny ways. Mm-hmm. Like, so uh, they literally they get installed with these like nano chips, so they see life bars as they fight. That's perfect. It's fucking awesome. That's very and they perfect. play volleyball on the beach. But yeah, I'm. I, I feel like we're gonna start seeing more and more better adaptations. Like, the Uncharted movie is up in the air. Like, I don't have faith in it yet. Like once I see a trailer, then I'll, I'll, you know, we'll be able to like make our actual judgments. But so far, I'm not, I'm not bestowed with hope for it. But like the Mario movie, I think at the very least is going to be as good as Detective Pikachu, right? That's yeah. like that's my expectation right now. A quirk of fate, right? Sinister says, "Morning, all." With Half Life Alex getting a release date and it only being a few weeks away, is there a growing trend for a shorter date announcement to release periods for bigger games? And do you think this is a good thing? Thinking back to how late we got the release date for the most recent God of War and even the short timescale for Fallout 4, is this going to become the norm? I sound like a rap verse. It all rhymes. <laughs> Thanks again for reading my rambling questions and taking the time to answer a few of them. Keep that sweet content coming. I don't yes. know if God of War is a great example, though, because they announced that game years before they dated yeah, it. Yeah, but he's talking about like the actual like the yeah, game. Yeah, it was like November where we learned that it was coming in like March or whatever. Yeah, you know? but then like it wasn't until like the month before, right, where we got, I think it came out in April and it was like the month or two before where we actually got the date date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that the, it's going to trend towards uh, the release date announcement to the game coming out being a lot shorter, but that's just because things have changed. The yeah. world has changed. The I mean, way I, people play I games think, understand. Games I think that's a changed. good thing. I think it's an evolution of people, of companies feeling more comfortable not having that like actual like stamp and announcing that to their audience because video games have become such a thing where they're complicated to make. They become more and more complicated to make as technology gets better and grows, right? And so we, I, like a lot of the time, 
companies and developers don't know when they're going to actually be able to finish a thing because there's so many moving parts. And so being able to withhold that information and have the freedom to like put out that information whenever they want, right? Like they don't have to like be at every at E3 they don't have to announce their date. They can announce a year or a window or like this is what or we're thinking about. Here's a game. Yeah, like it's he, happening. Or here's a game that we that we are working on, right? They don't have to say that say those things, right? Because they can announce whatever on a blog, on Twitter with just an image, yeah. right? Having that freedom and having that uh, like leniency as far as like our expectations, I think I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I think it's going to trend that way. I do think it's funny like that as an industry, we talk about uh, Fallout 4 as being this shining example of this. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, it was announced and came out like within a couple months. It's funny, though, that we're talking about a game that's, what, now four years ago? Like, There aren't that yeah. many examples of, of this. Um, I think that Resident Evil 3 is a great example of, hey, yeah. game announced, and it's coming, in, it, it's coming out within four months of it being announced. Yeah. Like, that's crazy I, this is an interesting topic too because i feel like there's two schools of thoughts that are very much married to the way they think of like because i know people that were like why did i know about final fantasy 7 that early mm-hmm. right but on the other side there are people that, that are like developers should be super open about what they're working on we shouldn't we, we should you know know years before yeah right? and i never really i understand the idea of things don't need to be so secretive but at the same time there, there's that. marketing and advertising that's built into it, and so you want to be able to have this build with your audience. Yeah, video it's, games aren't movies, man. We gotta treat them differently. They're, yeah, they're their own thing, and things that do, that's not to say that they need they need to stay how they've always been. Um, even though you know all of us are gonna be nostalgic about what E3 used to be. Mm-hmm. E3 is not that anymore. Like the way that games are announced and talked about, and release dates, and like the different beats that they need to hit of their marketing cycle has changed and it has grown and, and evolved. And I I personally think that we're seeing a trend where for the better games are going to be announced and released in in shorter windows mm-hmm. i hope that we never lose the death strandings and final fantasy 7 remakes that are these golden goose giant like yeah. they're coming there's something it's something to be excited about to to wonder like are we going to see it at this show like i always want to be asking the, that question of like what update are we going to get for these massive projects while also getting Hey, here's this game that's coming out that you're gonna get to play now. Yeah, you know exactly. Like, that keeps generations exciting for video games. I think so too. And I and like for me, I do have the question of like, why have I known about Bayonetta three for quite a few years, right? And I've heard nothing about it, mm-hmm. right? There's not. I don't necessarily. That's not necessarily helping me <laughs> in many ways, right? Like I, I can look forward to Bayonetta three, but at the end of the day, right? Without a date, without a year, without much more information on it, it's like I'm just sitting here with this knowledge in my brain, and you know, every now, every now and then I just think about Bayonetta three, and it's like. I'm going to get that game someday. Yeah. And that's kind of useless information at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of I'm kind of with the with, I like the school the the school of thought of yeah dude just like announce your game or announce your release and like release it later this year, right? You don't have to like be a million years out. But I do do I do also like the juggernaut the juggernaut thing of like And it can't be every game. Coming soon. Like yeah, I it feel can't like there's game. certain games that like get that leniency. Yeah. And like it's also painful when Things get announced too early and then they get canceled, right? Or like things shift around. I mean, that's paid right? out of three, right? It's like the, they they announced that game not expecting it to be this late. I'm sure yeah. there was issues. And things it's like happen. the Last Guardian, right? Which eventually came out, but mm-hmm. it was one of those things of like, you know, if they didn't announce it, they probably could have just canceled it and it would have wouldn't have been a big deal, right? It coming out, it's great for me because I actually really liked Last Guardian, but you know, Agent from Rockstar, why did we have to know about that? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and so that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Let's see here. 
now it's time to squad up. Sid writes in with an Epic Game Store squad up and says, Hi, I'm Sid. I've been a listener for about two years now and have only recently become a patron. I recently purchased The Division 2 after hearing about the $3 sale on KFGD and need some people to play with. My username is SSPlayer on the Epic Game Store, and I'm usually online in the evenings on week- weekdays and in the afternoon and evenings on weekends. So go squad up with Sid. Once again, SS Player on the Epic Game Store. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. What we get wrong? Uh, let's see, because apparently I have to re-log in to get access to this Uh-oh. Google Sheet. Let me see if I can swoop in and help you. All right. Here. Looks like I am in, and cool. you're wrong is loading, and I'm going to see it in a second, and I got to scroll down to see what we got there wrong. We go. There we go. Uh, people have some things to say. The thanks the nail the nail biologist writes in and says the quote is I'm starting to think smartphones are actually making us less connected. Thank you. There we go. Nail biologist. Okay. That's actually one I did want clarification on. Let's see here. Lord of Pwn writes in and says Mike Drucker was credited as the writer for last night's Dice awesome. Awards. Thank you. The Druck. Uh, nail biologist writes in with a definition of an adventure game that I'm going to skip through because I, I don't like. I don't think there's a factual thing with the definition of adventure game because, like, there's not really an Avengers of video game genres, mm-hmm. right? Like, it is kind of however you want to d- define it, but at the same time, I'd just like for more of a organized defining of things. Let's see here. a lot of a lot of editorializing let's see breaking news that we'll get to on a different day all right yeah it's a whole lot of editorializing so i think we're good Oh, the new Super Mario. The new. Uh, this is from VG. New Super Mario movie is twenty twenty two, not twenty twenty one. Have a nice weekend. Dang, that's so far away. If I wanted to know what was coming up, I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm looking into something here. Yeah, you're looking into some breaking news. Yeah, Nanobiologist uh, sent some breaking news from Destructoid. The first ever Sonic Station live broadcast, which is kind of like a Nintendo Direct for Sonic, debuts next week. Nice. Um, cool. The publishers announced a new initiative called Sonic Station Live, which can only be described as yet another Nintendo Direct-like effort. The first episode will debut February 20th. I think this, uh, is, pro- this is related to what we talked about last month, where every month there's going to be new news for Sonic. So, what a time to be alive. Dude, what us. a great year. The year of Sonic. <laughs> the year of Sonic, the man. The year of Sonic. The most uh, cursed year. <laughs> oh, my God. Why what would my... you do for a Mania 2? Oh, you don't want to know on this show. Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you off, can- off camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I would love a Generations too, honestly. I, I think it's too it's early not gonna, for I, that. I feel like I feel like Sonic Forces was supposed to be that, but it yeah, just wasn't good. It wasn't. It wasn't, man. It yeah. really, really wasn't. It was Mania was great. I want a Mania too. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. Yeah, bitches.